So tell me where you're at in fourth wing. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> she is still kind of peeing her pants about the fact that she gets two dragons. Oh yes. Like, so you've gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. I'm getting chills as I'm saying it again because my middle school self, I read the Aragon series in middle mm. school and I, I was forgot about that series. They're That's- so good. I actually took them from my parents' home, like our childhood home. I was like, I'm gonna read them again. Yes. Like lighting a spark with my relationship with my middle school self. And I'm like, it's in tears as I'm reading it. And this is a little secret that I don't tell too many people, but what I wanted to be when I grew up was a dragon rider. That's (laughs) the one thing I wanted to be. And I would say that all the time. And like, I would write letters to my parents and like email them or do like texts and stuff. And I would always say like dragon rider, Nat, like, being a dragon rider was my ultimate dream in life. And then I went to go and I pursued medical school and then I dropped out and now I'm a coach. And so, but at my core, my all-time dream was being a dragon rider. I love that. Is reminding me of that. And I have a dog named Charlie. He's a wiener dog. Uh You can say hi to him if you want. (laughs) Like now pretending I'm like, he's my little dragon. It's just so great. And I'm so obsessed. I love it. And we should probably insert at the beginning, Elevate, you can put a little disclaimer that there is a spoiler alert for fourth wing. We'll just put oh. that at the very beginning. Yes, <laughs> spoiler sure. alert for fourth wing. If you are reading fourth ring, just skip ahead like two yes. minutes. It's like a small spoiler alert though. So Elevate, yes. take that and move it to the front. That's so <laughs> funny. I've already pre-ordered the second book for Fourth Wing. I mm-hmm. love that you're like, I want to be a dragon rider. And I also love that you said that about your animal because that's how I feel. I have a cat and a dog and I'm like, you guys are just my little dragons. And I'm like, yes. I cannot wait for the second book. I really hope that the gold dragon ends up like turning huge and like being even more fearful and scary than her other ones. I'm really excited for it. So I love that we have that in common. Yes. So let me introduce you to our audience. So welcome back to the Money Bear podcast to all my friends. Hopefully we didn't spoiler anything from fourth wing for you guys, but we've got Natalie Botizatu. Botizatu, I said it right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You know, I practice right beforehand and then it's like you get to the recording part and you're like, I think I'm saying it correctly. But Natalie is a Romanian-American international mindset coach, and she's really helping a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs around the world learn how to get over their mindsets for their lives and their businesses. And I'm excited to talk to her because I struggle with a lot of this stuff. I mean, I think I do significantly better in my business. And I always make the joke that I'd rather start a business than start a relationship because it's so much easier. (laughs) But I'm pumped to talk to you a little bit about kind of what you're experiencing with your clients and what are some of those mindset obstacles that you see a lot and what are some of the ways to help people get over those. So welcome. Anything else you would add to your little elevator speech? That was really great. Just really supporting people and shifting their internal world. So what's happening inside their minds so that their external worlds can be so much better. Mm -hmm. Our world is very external world focused. We're very focused on doing for our businesses, doing this also in relationships, Mm -hmm. but rarely are we taught or do we focus on what can I think? Mm -hmm. What is something that I can shift internally with my thoughts, with my feelings that can then set up my doing to completely different levels. So Mm -hmm. I support people 
mainly business owners and shifting the way that they're thinking so that they're doing is that much more powerful and their results are that much more expansive. I love that because I think we so often neglect the fact that our thoughts become beliefs that become actions. And it's like, we often neglect the fact that our thoughts are like the root cause of pretty much everything that we do. And I am fully guilty of that. And it's something that I'm working on with a therapist now. So also I'm curious, I've worked with a spiritual coach before and it Mm -hmm. sounds based on your profile and based off of some of the things that you are an expert in yours is really kind of like your approach and I may be wrong, it looks like it's really taking the scientific approach of like how your thoughts work, how they impact your habits and your behaviors. Is that accurate? Or is there also an element of the spiritual with the work that you do? So it's definitely a combination of both, but my background is in science. My whole life, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I actually went to medical school, got halfway through, completed my first round of boards, And I had my quarter life crisis. I was in my mid twenties. I was like, WTF am I doing? Is this Mm -hmm. really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to pursue? And the reason I did pursue medicine was for the classic cliche reason of I want to help people, but also because I loved science. I love the science behind things. I also do have a relationship with a higher power as well. And even though growing up, going to Catholic school, we were taught that maybe those things were separate. But for me, from a really young age, I thought they always did go together. Mm -hmm. I was always able to figure out, oh, the science, God, the universe, higher power is in that. And Mm -hmm. so I do love the science. I do love the stats. I do love really seeing how mindset, even though sometimes it's not very tangible, there is science behind a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And I do really, really love it. My degree is in biology. I did lots of different research. So yes, I am a big fan of the science, but also I do think it goes hand in hand with the spiritual as well. Very cool. I love that combination of the two because it's like, it reminds me of like, I identify as somebody who is like very much split between practical and creative, which Mm -hmm. can often cause like the practical side takes over a little bit too often Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's the one that's like rewarded in our society. And that's Mm kind of how it feels to me is it's like this balance of the mystical spiritual, but also like the science and the practical, I guess the sides behind it. So very cool. So how the heck did you get into this work? So kind of just going back, I would say seven years I was in medical school and I had a quarter life crisis my whole life up until that point. I was like, I'm going to be a doctor or a dragon rider. <laughs> I love that a so doctor. much. <laughs> and I am going to do this the rest of my life. My parents are immigrants. And the best thing that I could do as a child of immigrants was to become a doctor. That's the mm-hmm. most stable. That's financially the most secure. That's also what everyone kept saying. Oh my gosh, so proud of you. I also, my people pleaser pattern really loved that. And I got halfway through medical school and I really evaluated weight is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? So I actually took a year off because I was very into health and fitness. And I was very into also personal development side of things and also mental health in conjunction with fitness. Mm -hmm. While I was in medical school, I felt pretty disconnected from everything that I was learning because it was very, it wasn't healthcare based. It was sick care based. Yeah. Something's not lining up here fully. But I took this elective course where we started learning about how to coach, not I say clients, coach patients through lifestyle change. And that's when I actually became certified in motivational interviewing Mm. and I loved it. And I have done fitness coaching on the side on and off for years at that point too. 
And I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a year off of medical school and just really pursue this and really pursue this business. So I did health coaching for a year and I was like, I'm not going back to medical school. Screw this. Like my first, within my first two year of business, I was able to make the same amount that I would have made as a resident physician my first year. Wow. I wouldn't have gotten there for like another five years. Right. So I was like, not going back to medical school, see ya. And after a year of doing health coaching, I realized that the real gold in people's transformation wasn't just what they're eating and the way that they were exercising. It was really the mindset behind things. I got the opportunity little by little to start. People who were running businesses were asking me, wait, can you show me some of this mindset stuff for business? And then that really launched me into the past five years. Like fully, I've been doing mindset coaching for business owners. And I still on the side help different health coaching programs with their mindset side of things, but it's been just really started with a quarter life crisis and ended up with me doing completely opposite of what I thought I would ever do, running my own business and really disrupting what I thought my life would be like and freaking out my family. Like yeah. Yeah. now they're my biggest fans and it was honestly the best decision ever. So I joke and I say, I made up my own job and it was the best decision ever. I love that. And I love hearing from entrepreneurs in terms of how they ended up doing what they're doing, because so many of us have such unusual jobs or un- things that weren't around when we were in high school, weren't around when we were like being mm-hmm. asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, well, you have like five options, you know, because as a kid, it's not like you understand that there's more than a doctor, a baker, you know, a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I love the kind of feeling or figuring out what just your next step is, what feels right, what is the next thing. For the work that you do in mindset coaching, I assume you had to get your own mindset right first. So what was kind of, and I'm sure that it's an ever-evolving thing, right? Like we're constantly running into new things. And I always joke about that with my therapist. Is it's like, I thought I was healed. <laughs> I thought I was done. I thought I figured this part out. And it's like, well, if you want to keep growing, my friend, you're going to keep peeling back these new layers. So for you, kind of what was your own personal mindset journey? Yeah. So let me just say also that I'm the same. I have a coach also Monday, 11 a.m. PST is my, my coach. And it's been that like that for the past five years. Mm-hmm. And so I also have I'm coaching people all the time on things that I already know. But then when it comes to my own personal growth, we do always need that mm-hmm. outside mentor to see things in an unbiased way to call us out on our BS and to support us in our growth. And I'm the same thing. I'm like, we talked about this already. I know this. But I think that's also something we don't have to resent those. We actually get yeah. to see that every time we're like, wait, I'm challenged. Wait, I am frustrated about this. That actually means we're growing. Yeah. So For me, it's been the past five years since I fully went in my business. I guess I did hire a coach when I started off like fully going into health coaching. And I realized that running a business wasn't just about what you have to do to run your business. My coach actually said, he's like, you want to really start working through all of your BS and start working through all of the limiting beliefs in your head start a business or get in a relationship, kind of like you mentioned before, like those things are going to disrupt your internal world and you're going to either continue to be disrupted by it or you're going to have to work through it. So Mm -hmm. for me, my first year in business while I was doing health coaching, I was like, wait, 
It's not just about showing up and taking action. There's so much in here that is getting in the way, the fears, the doubts, the limiting beliefs around money. The Also, I realized that as a child of immigrants, that my whole upbringing was so different than everyone that I went to school with. My first language is actually Romanian. Mm. And I grew up in a very traditional Romanian household. So I was also raised with perceptions around money and success that were very different than most people that I was growing up with. So I had to sort through and work through all of that. And I realized that year there was no way my business was going to be as successful as I wanted it to be if I continued ignoring the mental side of things, my Mm. mindset, the way I was thinking about myself and my business, the way that I was stepping more and more into owning who I am and owning my authenticity. And let's be for real. No one teaches us how to do that in school. No, I didn't have a own your authentic self class in school. I didn't have a focus on and prioritize your mental health class growing up in school. So I had to really commit to working through that and hiring a coach to be able to do that alongside also doing coaching and doing the health coaching side of things. And as I was learning and as I was expanding, my business started to grow so much more, not because I was doing anything differently, but because I was thinking differently about what I was doing. And then I was like, wait, shut the front door. Why doesn't everyone talk about mindset? And more people are talking about mindset now, but still not as much as they should be. A hundred percent. And I can draw the parallels to working with yourself money wise, because even in my class, I talk about how like I couldn't get my money right until I got my mind right. I had to do that first. And it's so funny now then thinking about it in my business where I just dove straight into the business. It wasn't like I was like, I'm a fully healed person. I don't need to do any work on myself. And then it was like last year, which was my second year of the business, but my first year full time entrepreneurship. I struggled with my mindset constantly. Mm -hmm. And I had to, there was a lot of changes I had to make, but one of the biggest shifts for me was, or I guess things that I recognized within myself when dealing with it first time, just relying fully and completely on myself and not having that nine to five was this fear of it's all going to get taken away from me. It's all going to disappear. I'm finally living in my dream. I'm doing these things and I can't even enjoy it because I'm so afraid it's just going to get ripped away from me. And so in working with my spiritual coach and also the biggest thing for me was to shift my mindset I had to stop engaging with other finance creators. I had to stop looking at what everybody else was doing. I had to focus on my very core group of friends, like my ride or die friends who are in the finance community and then everything else. I cut out this year. It's like I'm no longer as accessible as I used to be. And I did that for my mind. I did that to stop comparing myself. I did that to focus on my own race. And it took me a really long time to to figure that out. I mean, for most of the year last year, I struggled with it, but that was a big mindset shift. And then also the understanding that as a business owner, things are constantly changing. Something that worked six months ago is not going to continue to work three months from now or two months from now, or maybe it worked one time and then it never works again. So it's like you have to, or at least for me, I've had to recognize that is the price I'm paying by being a business owner. It's like, that's the life I've chosen. But also it's like, I have to have that resilience to be like, this thing that just happened, this thing that's big, bad, and scary, this is just another challenge and I'm going to figure it out. So it's it's been a journey. What are some of the mental blocks that you feel like you see show up pretty often with your clients? 
So the one that you mentioned, this fear of things getting taken away, mm-hmm. this we almost limit ourselves and we limit the success that we can achieve because we're scared of loss. Mm-hmm. And really loss is just a misperception, just kind of like failure is a misperception. Does failure actually exist or is it just an opportunity for us to grow? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people get to this point where they're just so scared of what they have getting taken away that they don't take the next step. And the biggest thing that I would just draw or call out is noticing that the reason we think that the reason we have really any type of limiting belief or fear in our businesses is because it's a protective mechanism. It has purpose. I was joking on one of my teachings this past week. It's like, we don't just have anxiety for fun. Yeah. We don't just fear success for fun because we have nothing else better to do. It's not just this random thing that pops up. It has purpose. So whether you are scared of success, whether you're scared of loss, whether you're scared of being seen, that's a big one. Like I'm scared of people judging me. I'm scared of people really knowing who I truly am or saying bad things about me. That's another big one. These are all just protective mechanisms to keep us safe because our brain says, well, as long as I'm focused on what I might lose, then I won't lose it. As long as I'm Mm. focused on how I might be judged, then I'll make sure I do what's necessary in order to not be judged. But then Mm. of course, law of attraction, if that's what we're focusing on, then of course we're going to create it. So our subconscious mind and our ego, it's like, hey, yo, it's not how it works. Let me Mm -hmm. teach you something different. So in this process of learning these blocks that we have and the common blocks that we have, the first step in shifting them is just realizing, oh, this is just a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for protecting me, part of me that's scared of loss. But let's do something else, which I think is going to be so much better in protecting us from loss. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That's one of the biggest mm-hmm. or most common fears and mindset blocks that you see with business owners. And do you also, it sounds like you also work with individuals who are not business owners and who are just looking at more fulfillment in life. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've worked with some people. So I don't always work with business. I would say a majority of my clients are business owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a few times I've just had people who are in solid nine to fives that they really love and they just want to feel more connected to themselves. They mm-hmm. want to feel more connected to their jobs. They also want to be more connected to what they're doing outside of their jobs. And everything in life is connected. So being able to work on your relationships or dating or your personal health is going to also affect the way you show up in your job too. So it mm-hmm. is all that I do have business owners that come to me and we don't talk anything about business. Right. We talk about how are you pouring into yourself? What are your beliefs around yourself? How is that blocking you from actually experiencing loving relationships in your life? But then how is that also affecting how you are showing up in your business because you're not allowing relationships? So I do, I am a life coach in lots of aspects, but I do mainly work with business owners, but I do also work with people who want help on anything that's other aspects of their life that does impact their career. In the personal side of things, do you feel like there's something that comes up over and over again for people? Like, is there a common trend, maybe top three beliefs that you're like, this is, it's almost always one of these three things. So first one is classic imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, are they like, let's say in dating, I'll use an example. This is a common one. Like, Am I really worthy of this person, of the type of partner that I want? Am I really coming for me? Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) 
maybe sound something like, I have this great business. I'm self-employed. I have this great podcast. I've helped tens of thousands of people, but is someone really going to love me? Like, Mm -hmm. so like the whole imposter syndrome is super, super common. Another one is, uh, fear of loss. Like once I get it, once I get the dream bot, once I get the dream relationship, is it going to stay? Is it going to last? And then a third one I would say is, oh, I have to be perfect. The classic, Mm. I have to do this in order to get this as I have to be perfect with my eating routine. I have to be perfect with the way that I show up and the way that I look, I'm not allowed to be imperfect because then if I'm imperfect, I will be judged. And then if I judged, then I won't get what I want. So mm-hmm. top three, very classic ones. Right. Most people rarely connect with how it fits to their life and how they are experiencing one of those three, if not all of those three. Yeah, it's not surprising again, but it's always comforting to hear that is something that everybody is essentially struggling with. One of the things that I've seen on your Instagram page is talking about celebrating imposter syndrome. Can you kind of explain what that means and like what's the theory behind that? Sure. My gut reaction every time I felt a little bit of that imposter syndrome coming up was crap screw this, not again. (laughs) And being so annoyed every time I felt it and kind of similar to what we talked about earlier. It's like, I already worked through this. Why Mm -hmm. is this so frustrated about it? But after doing this repeatedly, and then even recently, I had this speaking engagement. It was really wonderful a few months ago. And even after that speaking engagement, I felt a little bit of like, wait, was that good? Yeah. or did people really gain value from that? Wait, was this actually, did this actually land the way that I wanted it to? And so it's so normal. Everyone is feeling it to some degree. And instead of being upset every time it comes up, I do notice that it's coming up whenever I'm having an opportunity of growth, whenever Mm. I'm really stepping outside of my comfort zone, whenever I'm really challenging myself. Of course, my imposter syndrome is going to pop up when I say something that's a little bit more controversial in the speaking environment. Of course, I'm going to feel a little bit of imposter syndrome when I raise my prices. And I noticed this trend that, wait, it comes up every time I'm growing. How wonderful. Mm. Yay. Great. And because we've worked through it, this is me like talking to myself now, because we've worked through it so many times, you know exactly what you need to remind yourself of in this moment. So let's just take a hot second, check in with your inner child, tell her that it's safe to just be loud and be you and to talk about what you want to talk about, celebrate that you're raising your prices and that people are actually paying for that and remind I'm going to take a second to remind you that you're also safe in this growth. Everything's Mm. okay. You are loved just the way you are. You're so worthy and deserving of this. And then like, even as I'm saying it right now, I feel like, like I feel like a deep breath and imposter syndrome can really be something that we celebrate. And as you work through it, you get tools in your toolbox and it is going to come up again. And every time it comes up, it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's not because you're not healing, it's actually a reflection of that you're growing. And you have those tools in your toolbox to whip out, to shift that imposter syndrome in that moment and to keep moving forward. So now I'm like, yes, let's go. Let's keep moving forward. 
I love that. I mean, it's such a nice little switch of something that, like you said, we can dread or be like, I'm tired of feeling like an imposter. I'm tired of feeling like I'm not good enough for X, Y, Z. Just being like, this is a good sign. This means we're making growth. This means that we're making progress. So I love that. I think that's a brilliant way of reframing it. So I kind of want to understand a little bit of what is it like to work with you? Like if someone came to you and we're going to totally pretend that this is not something I struggle with. But somebody came to you and was like, hey, I'm here because like, I don't believe I'm worthy. I don't believe I'm worthy of finding love. I don't believe like that's possible for me. And I don't know how to get over this mindset. What is kind of the process and what is the like system that you take a client through to, I assume, first identify like what's the root cause? And then like, what do we go from there? Sure. So mindset work can sometimes feel really intangible. So Mm -hmm. I've created this system where we're actually tracking via ratings the way that you're feeling and the different aspects of your life. So standard working with me is four months. So at the start of every four months, we're really assessing how are you feeling so that you can see the progress. Because a Mm -hmm. lot of people will be like, I feel really great one week, but I feel not so great the next week. Then I feel really good. Then I feel not so good. But that's the nature of this work. So there's always going to be ups and downs. And we're also emotional beings. So that's always right. But in the grand scheme of things, everyone is increasing in their ratings overall and how they're feeling. And so I structure it in that way to be able to, even amongst the storm of emotions, as you're doing the inner work, you're like, wait, I am progressing. Mm -hmm. Yay. Great. So first step is, and usually this is the first month is really reconnecting to yourself because if you're not connected to yourself, the way you take care of yourself, the way you love yourself, the way you pour into yourself, you're not going to be able to get anything that you want in terms of relationships, money, health. So first is really creating a foundational support system that just involves you and you Mm -hmm. and really making sure that that is something that is consistent. So like for me, it's super simple, but if I am not every day doing my two M's, my movement and my meditation, Mm -hmm. everything's and go down the drain. Mm-hmm. And so involved in that process of figuring out how to really connect with yourself is shifting some limiting beliefs, working through why am I not consistent with this? Why don't I believe that I can do this? And really creating a personalized system that allows you to really make sure that you're connecting to yourself and that you're filling your cup so that when you pursue the relationship, when you start actually working through the relationship stuff, the money stuff, the business stuff, you're showing up fully you. Mm-hmm. And we're not just oscillating emotionally because of what's happening externally. So that's the first step. Then the second step is identifying what is it that you desire in relationships? So once you've connected to yourself, the second step is what do you want? What do you really desire? And getting a clear picture of what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And most people kind of know it, but when I really start digging deep, they're like, wait, just kidding. I don't really know. So getting very clear on desires, And then the next step is figuring out what part of you doesn't feel that you get to have it. Where did those thoughts come from? I talk a lot about like generational limiting beliefs and a lot of things that we believe aren't necessarily ours. They're things that were given to us by our parents. And for me, I've even connected things that were from like my grandparents. I'm like, holy cannoli, like this goes back really far. But it's really getting to the source of why don't you believe that you're worthy of this? Why don't you believe that you get to have this? And understanding that was there's purpose in why you know that and shifting that purpose and shifting, okay, 
I learned that I need to be perfect because the way that my parents set up my academic career and wanted me to get good grades, the way that they taught me that wasn't actually was helpful then, but now it's not helpful anymore. Mm -hmm. So we go through a series of questions of who told you this? Where did this come from? Where did you learn that you can't have this dream picture that you desired for relationships? And then we just go up through a process of having conversations week after week of identifying new things. And once we identify one thing, you gain some momentum, but more times than not, another thing then comes up because that thing's identified. And so from there, it's a pretty personalized approach to really having specific conversations, identifying what part of you doesn't believe that you can have this and how can we start teaching that part of you something new and just owning that and essentially reprogramming our minds to believe and to know that as the new experience. A hundred percent. That's so cool for me to hear that and think about the mindset work that we do within the community on the Lazy Investors course and the Lazy Money Masters Bootcamp, because like this is all the stuff that we do for money as well, where it's like, we got to recognize where did these beliefs come from? What do you actually want? What is your why? Are you sure you're not just telling yourself that's what you want? Because society actually wants you to believe that this is the thing. And it's so interesting. Here I am. I'm like, you know, obviously I know how to teach people how to build wealth. And that starts with mindset. And it's so funny listening and just being like, Chloe, you could apply the same exact thing to your love life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, okay, interesting how that all works. But I also love too that you were like, you know, mindset is this intangible thing sometimes where we have a hard time conceptualizing it. And then you're like, and I have a system. And it's that beautiful combination of the intangible and the science. And it's like using your science background to make this a very practical system that it's like one step after another, even though we're doing deep inner work that is not necessarily this like practical step-by-step thing. It's like, you can still use a system that allows us to access that. Absolutely. Very cool. So I always like to provide tips for people who are listening and they're like, okay, this sounds great and all, but like, what do I do? How do I on my own start to recognize some of these mindset obstacles or mindset barriers? And then what do I do to overcome them? Mm -hmm. Let's do three tips. I always do three tips. Sure. Do you mind if actually, I guess it is kind of like a three-step process Okay. how people can like, after this, listening to this, they can literally today start your mindset with this. So the first tip that I say is check in with how you're feeling. Most people don't really know how they're feeling. Was it you that just posted on your stories that you're had like an emotional chart? I have one too. I love that you, I was immediately thought of that. I was like, how funny that yesterday I posted a feelings wheel and I was like, wow there's more than five feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just being aware of as you move through life, check in with how you're feeling. And even if for me, it's like, I'm feeling a little like, ugh, is not a feeling. So it's like identify that. So first step is just be more aware of your feelings because beneath the feeling is usually a thought. Mm. So as you move through your life, let's say you have a little feeling every time you look at your bank account or every time you open up a dating app, And just checking and be like, okay, what do I feel right now? And then taking a second and then asking yourself, okay, well, what thoughts are behind this feeling? What do I think about dating? What do I think about money? What do I think about these people that I keep swiping left on? And so then asking yourself, what's a thought? And I have, I call it the pancake flip method. 
because I like to make things fun and I love analogies. And so once you identify what the feeling is and start asking yourself what thoughts, the first one is we're going to go through a process of flipping a pancake and essentially teaching ourselves new thoughts and telling ourselves new things, but in the process, reinforcing those so that they actually, we create neural connections in our brain to reinforce that. Mm. So the first step in that process is identify what is the thought. And then the second step is asking yourself, is this useful? Like, do I want to actually take this with me? And the answer is usually no, because it feels like poo. So we Mm -hmm. flip the pancake and we say, okay, what's the new thought? What is the new thought that I want to think? So let's say the original thought was, only there's, this is my favorite. There's no good people to date in LA. <laughs> and so and multiple millions of humans that feels so crappy. Do I want to keep thinking and believing this? No, cool. Flipping the pancake. What do I want to believe instead? There are so many great men in LA. They're everywhere. They're at Trader Joe's. They're at Air- <laughs> They're everywhere. I see them everywhere I go. And so every time I notice myself feeling icky about that, I'm always flipping that pancake. And I know it feels really silly, but we've gotten so used to our brain has neural connections that are reinforcing this thought of there are no good people to date in LA. And our brains are consistently reinforcing that because that's what we think. And of course, we're seeing proof of that. So the way that we start creating a new experience is by reinforcing a new thought. Mm -hmm. When we reinforce a new thought, we're also reinforcing new neural connections. But it's going to take repetition. It's, It's weakening one habit and building a new mental habit. And so going through that process of what am I feeling to identify a thought? What is the thought that I'm thinking? Do I really want to think this? Is it helpful? No. Boom, flip the pancake. What's the new thought? And that literally takes three seconds, three to five seconds. And you can do that throughout the day, throughout the couple weeks. And I actually did this for myself in dating in LA. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the amount of great men that I started stumbling upon in LA, I was like, wait, shut up. Oh, okay. I love that. You really are everywhere. And so this is an easy thing where you can start teaching your brain new things to think because subconsciously your brain's on autopilot thinking the thing that someone else told you, which is right. what I when I moved to LA. So of course I started thinking that and it became a thought pattern in my mind, but we can easily start just flipping that pancake, thinking something new. And the more we think something new, we're going to feel different about mm-hmm. dating now, then you're going to feel different about how you show up in your business. And when you feel different, then you take different action. Then it feels so much more fun to date. It feels so much more fun to market yourself and show up online for your business. And then of course you show up more, then you start experiencing different results. So that's my little pancake. I call it my pancake flip. I love that. And I think my reaction when you started saying that was like, I did a little like head back because this is exactly what we do inside the lazy money masters. And it was so funny to hear the exact system of like, what I have people do is like, we focus on a word, like something within money, whether it's Mm -hmm. investing, whether it's debt, whatever. And then I just make them brain dump for five minutes. Like what is every thought that comes up with the word debt or the word money or the word investing, whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. then I have them go through and I'm like, all right, go highlight what is helpful what is neutral and what is not helpful? Like Mm -hmm. pick a different color for each one of those. And then we're going to take those non-helpful thoughts and we're going to do exactly what you said. We're going to flip them. What is, and sometimes like I do feel some people can't go to the whole way of like, oh, money is abundant. Like you can't go from like money is scarce to money is abundant and it's everywhere. Sometimes people can't make that huge leap. So it's like, we'll find something in the middle. What is something that's true? 
What's something that like really resonates with you that you can believe? And I feel that same way with affirmations. Sometimes when it's so far and opposite direction, you're like, this feels stupid. I can't even say this to myself because it feels dumb. It's like, okay, what is something that you can say undeniably is true? You know, like there is money, there's money out there, you know, it's available. And like, now I am able to, if I want to access that money, like this is something that we do. And I think it's so helpful. And again, it's so funny me being like, I know all this stuff, but I'm not applying it to my personal (laughs) life. But this is like very classic me in that I've always been very good at the practical stuff. And then it's like Mm -hmm. the bigger, deeper personal stuff is why I have a therapist. So (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love that you highlighted that there's congruencies with what you're doing in your community. And if there's one kind of big thing that I would love for more people to know is that this mindset work is not, doesn't have to be complicated. It's personal, truly what you are learning or what you're applying to one aspect of your life. And this is a part of almost every coaching conversation I have, if you're able to access success in one way with this mindset in this area of your life, then that's possible for you in another area of your life. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Thought patterns that get to be transferred over and then implemented in a new area of your life, but they also still get to work in that because it is universal. So I love hearing that. And I love that you're doing such great work with people. And you're so right. We don't have to go to like, I'm a bajillionaire. (laughs) Go to baby steps. Yeah, sure. We can do the baby steps, but that's how we start teaching our brains new things is the baby and a little bit of progress. Those 10 baby steps then equals one giant step. And if you do that repeatedly, so much value in that. So, so much value. So I love what you're teaching. Yeah. It's very affirming to hear that that's also what a mindset coach is doing because I'm like, all right, we're on the right track over Mm -hmm. here. (laughs) But it's even, as you said, not only in the mindset frame of things, I think about finances as well as it's like, if you learn how to manage your personal finances, it's easier to then apply it to your business finances. It's like it all applies in multiple different ways. And mindset, I mean, it literally applies to everything you could possibly want. So this is wonderful. And before we dive into my two fun questions that I ask everybody, Mm -hmm. tell everybody where can they find you, where can they connect with you, and how can they work with you? Sure. So I have an Instagram. It's just my name, Natalie Botazatu, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E-B-O-E-Z-A-T-U. There's only one of me. I've Googled myself numerous times and the way that my name is spelled. I'm that's amazing. Only one of me. So if you Google me, you could probably find me, but that's my Instagram. I post reels daily on there around business and mindset stuff. And then I do also have a YouTube channel every single Sunday, 6 p.m. PST. I'm doing a new mindset teaching. Last week, we talked about what does an abundance mindset look like within your business, like practically in your marketing and your sales. I've also talked about burnout. So every week I'm doing a new teaching on there. They're about 20 minutes. So you can go ahead and check those out if you'd like and start learning and implementing different mindset principles in your business. And then I do also, I recently started a TikTok. I'm a big fan of emotional freedom technique. I know we didn't really talk about that, but it's called Mm -hmm. tapping. So I've started a TikTok as well, where I'm doing little routines on tapping. It's a way to reprogram your subconscious mind. So that TikTok is called Mindset Nath, M-I-N-D-S-E-T and Nath, N-A-T-H. I love that. That's so cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll leave links to all that below in the show notes. So let's do two fun questions before I let you go. Number one question is, what's your very first money memory? My very first money memory. First thing that pops in my mind is my family and I, we'd go to Romania Mm -hmm. all the time growing up. 
And one of the very first times I was in Romania, the currency and the way that the exchange rate was, I just remember being so shocked at how much candy I could buy (laughs) currency in Romania. And there were times also where like my grandma was trying to save up. I remember she was trying to save up for an air conditioner. She was like, you don't need that much candy. Like I'm trying to save up for an air conditioner. I was like, oh, okay. So I would only get this amount of candy. But I just remember just being so excited about the amount of candy that I could have. And it also like really brought my awareness of the differences between what how I was living and how my family was living in Romania at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool learning experience. And I've had I to- love that it was candy related too. I can't yeah. tell you how many of the first memories on the show have been candy related. And I used to joke that we got a bunch of candy drug dealers on the show because so many entrepreneurs, their first money memory was I used to buy like the penny candy at, you know, the dollar store and then I'd resell it for a profit at school. And I was like, it's amazing. We just got a bunch of little candy drug dealers. It's this, love it. making the system work for them. So I love that. Now, my other question is, is there anything that you're obsessed with right now? Anything you're binging, anything that you just can't stop like doing or thinking about or reading about? Yeah, back into my fantasy novel era, like my nerd book era. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And so I've just been really connecting with my inner child lately and reading a lot of like young adult fantasy novels. All right. And give us some. What are some that you're reading? Classic, Akatar, A Court of Thorns. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. big fan. I'm going to be starting Crescent City. I'm traveling next week. So I'm like, okay, I need to bring a chonky book with me. Crescent City by also Sarah J. Moss. And then I'm also half, like I mentioned, we mentioned before, I'm halfway through Fourth Wing and I am just losing my freaking mind. So So good. It's really good. Another really good book. It's a series. It's called, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, Defy the Night. I loved it. Young adult also. So it's not like super spicy. Sometimes I miss the spice. Other times I'm like, oh, this like I'm actually into this. So there's like not that much spice. Okay. Yeah. I always get a little like, I'm like, I don't know if I can do a young adult if it doesn't have the spice, but I've seen the TOG series, the Throne of Glass series, oh, be uh-huh. considered young adult sometimes. And I'm like, there's a lot of spice in Throne of Glass. I don't think that's actually maybe like a couple of the books or like half of a book would be considered young yeah. adult. So it's always yeah. interesting. But yeah, I just finished the whole Sarah J. Mass universe. Like, and you have to read all of them. Like, okay. you have to read Throne of Glass. Throne of Glass, what I will tell you. Have you read it? No, no, okay. I've only read the Actar read it. So actually, I would probably recommend reading Throne of Glass before you read Crescent City, only because the next book for Crescent City doesn't come out until next year. And so you have time to read through all eight books. But the reason I say it is because you'll find they're all connected. All the universes... So far, we have an inkling that we think they're Mm -hmm. all connected. We don't know for sure. But that's why I'm like, go through Throne of Glass first. I will tell you the first book is hard to get through. It's not very well written. It's like her first book ever. And you can tell. But by book two, you're like, okay, this is good. I honestly think Throne of Glass is a better series than Akatar. No. Wait, especially it is a big statement because it is so complex. The world is so much bigger. It's like such an epic. Whereas it's like Akatar is absolutely epic, but it's like very heavy on 
Well, no, I mean, it's still an epic, but this is like an eight book series, Throne of Glass. So it's like, if you like fantasy, I would say start with that, take a, okay. get a couple of those and then do Crescent City afterwards, especially too, because we're still in the t- same like time era. Whereas okay. with Akatar and Throne of Glass, they're like in the same time era-ish. Crescent City, you're like thrown into the future and it's a little jarring. Oh, okay. So, all right. That's what I, that would be my recommendation. That's a lot. And I will say a lot of people agree with that order only because, like, you want the, like, the full world. Sure. Ooh, okay. I will definitely consider that for sure. Yeah. I will say Throne Glass is hard to get through, but by book two, you're like, you're moving. And it's an eight book series. Oh, and did you see that Fourth Wing is going to be five books? I knew it was going to be like really, like, quite long. And I'm, yeah. Wait, how many? I hope so. I'm only 250. It's like right here. Yeah. (laughs) By my side at all times. (laughs) It's so good. I honestly think I liked Fourth Wing better than any of the Sarah J. Mass world. And I know some people like on TikTok didn't like Fourth Wing because they feel like they stole too much from Sarah J. Mass. And I'm like, it's all everybody's stealing from everybody. Like it's all it's fantasy. There's yeah. it's all tropes. We know what the fantasy world is unless yes. you're creating a whole new world with new creatures and things like yeah. that. I think I liked Fourth Wing better, but I don't know. It's hard to say because I also devoured Akatar, and Akatar was my first introduction back into fantasy or ever into fantasy. Ah, OK. See, I lost it. From like middle school slash high school. Same, yeah. Then it was my first back and I was like, wait, shut up. You're like, wait, I actually like this. It never would have been something that I would normally read. And then I was like, oh, I have a whole new genre open up to me now. And I'm so excited. Like it brings joy to my life. Oh so, my much gosh, joy. so much joy. Yes, so much joy. Yes. I love that. Well, keep me posted on how you like fourth I will. wing. The final page will give you a shock. You should like record yourself reading the final page of Fourth Wing. There's some people doing that. But stay off of TikTok. Don't Google it. Anything on TikTok. And yeah, keep me posted. (laughs) I'm like, every time I say, I'm like, no, swipe. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not, I don't want to get any spoilers. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. So awesome. Well, this is wonderful having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today and share all your knowledge about mindset. I'm really excited for my audience to hear this. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Chloe. I loved it and I super appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money Bear Podcast. If you've made it this far, do us a favor, take two seconds, rate, review, and subscribe. It seriously means the world to me. And if you just take a sec to do that, I will appreciate you endlessly. And if you do, let me know on Instagram and I'll thank you personally. So got that. And of course, since we were talking about anything financial on this show, please note that nothing on this show is intended as financial advice. I don't know you, unfortunately. And because of that, I cannot tell you what to do with your money. You got to work with a financial professional who knows your situation, who is preferably a fiduciary. And keep in mind that everything that we talk about on this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It's all my opinion. So there's that. If you want to see our full terms and conditions, head on over to the show notes. And while you're there, we've got free resources for you to get started on your money journey down in the show notes as well, including a free guide to help you with your budgeting templates and budgeting tutorials and investing 101, understanding the different accounts that are out there. All that good stuff is inside of my free guide, which is also available at the lazy investors course.com slash guide. So 
If you're ready to take our relationship to the next level, I am also hosting a monthly investing class. And that investing class, you can find the times we're offering it this month at thelazyinvestorscourse.com slash webinar. That link is in the show notes as well. And that's where you have the chance to meet me live and ask those money questions live. It's a good time. We've had over 20,000 people as of recording this join or register. And uh, yeah, it's always nice to meet you guys. So I hope to see you there again. All that is available down in the show notes. So thank you again for coming and listening. I appreciate you and I'll see you next week. <laughs>